And Buddha's presentation and Buddhist understanding of reality is of a conditioned processes. Processes rather than discrete things. Uh, it's a very significant uh, view, right view, process. No such thing as a thing. Though that's generally what the way we get uh, conditioned is assuming there are, there are things, discrete, distinct things that you can have, be, are a problem, are fixed, can be shifted around, are born and die. Thing. It's a. Uh, and within, within the realm of things, there's always a, a kind of division between this thing and that thing. And a division between the phenomenon, the thing that's known by a separate seer or reviewer or experiencer, you know, who can either try to have the thing or do something to the thing, or gets hurt by the thing, or enjoys the thing, which then changes and shifts. You know, and the 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 apparent thing called myself remains strangely orphaned. <laughs> you know, never quite get anything for long, and there's a sense of craving. And all the psychology that builds up around craving. If I could only get the right thing, the right number of things, the right balance of things, physical, emotional, psychological things, then you know, hit, hit the bell. There's no such thing as a thing. It's process process, process, which is a mutual arising, interdependent arisings, more like a welling up. If you look down into a spring, so you've got a pool of water with a spring, you'll see this continual roiling, moving of this flow, you know, you get a a well or a, a pool, and there's a spring gushing up through it, you see it's constant roiling and turning processes. And you can look at that and say, yeah, there's something there. Because it does seem like a thing, but you know, you've got enough understanding to realize it's a dynamic that adopts a particular pattern which has a certain consistency to it. Now that's more the understanding processes that adopt certain consistent or semi-consistent qualities. And this means with that, that if we adopt certain consistent input, then the shape of the process changes. If we adopt and bring around, if there is an adopting and an inclining towards favorable input, the process shifts favorably. If the removal of disturbing, afflictive, deluded, confused input. 
the process shifts favorably. Mm. Uh, it's uh, try to get a kind of feeling for what the language is suggesting. It's in- incredibly potent mm. and intimate. You know I mean, what is input? What is intended? What is inclined towards? What is sustained? Consciously, unconsciously, clearly or not clearly, as an effect. This is right view, karma. And through removing or disinclining or disengaging from obstructive influences, the process that we experience as our reality shifts to the better, shifts for our welfare, clears both in terms of happiness and peacefulness, process, this is right, right view. In some ways it's kind of, you know, oh well, you know, one can easily reinterpret that as, well, if you do the right thing, you'll get the right result, but it's not quite like that. Because it's not a matter of getting something, it's a matter of doing something. It's not a matter of getting the right thing, it's a matter of doing the right thing. And doing primarily is psychological doing. Body, speech, kind of have effect, but the primary thing, primary is the psychological shifting and the constancy and the you know, and the, the thoroughness of that. And recognizing we have different ways of intending uh, the important psychological activity of intending. It's not just a simple, you know, go for it. It's all kinds of gear shifts, praising, releasing, calming, blessing, disengaging chilling out, pulling back, firmly resisting. There's many, many shifts. It's like a Tai Chi move. There's all kinds of subtle shifts, but essentially all of it, all of it is conducted with the understanding of right view. There's this intention, this input. We can't always really be certain that what we're doing is absolutely skillful. But is it inclining that way? Am I living up to what I feel is the, you know, the best? And how do I even know what's the best? And here's the the great gift, because skillful intention, you can recognize as a particular feeling to it, particular brightness to it, particular, it's not clinging. (coughs) It's not sticky, it's not domineering, it's not willful, it's not, it's not got a big me in it. <laughs> and it res- it's respectful because it's understanding this is process. You know, there's not a separate entity who's going to get something. There's a mutuality and a, and a entering into a process. This is really the heart of understanding how to how to cultivate the Dhamma. Mm. 
not from a position of self, but from like, how, do, how is experience met? How is it received? How is it sensed? How do the first reactions that we may come up, how do they get acknowledged and just, let's wait on that one, till perhaps a more mature response comes up. Why is it response? We all have our knee jerks of one kind or another, or our programmed assumptions. One of the ways of really uh, getting this skillfulness of response is through the body. Through breathing, actually. Breathing into what we're doing. Breathing into it. It's, it's that quality to it. It's a gentle but sustained breathing into, breathing out. What I'm saying may sometimes seem a bit mysterious or far-fetched, but hopefully it will become more um, authentically felt and experienced. Mm. Body is a process, that's important. (coughs) Breathing is a process, it's not a thing. it's not get the breath, hold the breath, be with the breath, find the breath. It's no, no, that's never there. It's always be with the breathing in, breathing out, be with the process. Mm. Notice with the process where it's taking you. Notice the process, breathing in long, is it short? Yeah. How is it, how is that process? Just as a, on its own terms, mm. what happens with breathing in? Witness the process, be with the process, the filling, the fullness of it. Mm. Sense of the swelling of the in-breath, the the rising of energy, the speed of it, and what that feels like, whether it's calming, refreshing, forceful, what is it? Can the breathing become something clearer, purer? Mm. Begin to recognize the, the snagging or the how breathing is affected by mind because all processes are interconnected. The bodily process is connected to emotional, mental, psychological process. So as, as we all know, get panicky, your breathing changes. And the whole body changes, doesn't it? You get frightened, your body changes. Body process changes. Happy, your body process changes. Aroused, impassioned, body process changes. Sick, your body process changes. Looking body as process, much more accurate than looking at it as a thing. When we're so conditioned into this visual presentation of body, yeah, that's the body, uh, what we see with the eyes. What an illusion that is. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's part of it, that's part of the process. But the amount of stress and confusion that gets around 
looking at the surface of a body and imagining that's a real, constant, lasting, reliable thing. <laughs> you know? And the amount of effort that goes into trying to get that that way. That's a visual thing. That's a visual process. That's a visual interpretation. As you all know, look in the mirror, gee, who's that? Uh, doesn't feel like me. When you're sitting in your body, the felt body, the tactile, the tactile body, very different experience than the visual one. You know, visually you see people look quite attractive and happy and bright, and you find out they're anxious, you know, obsessives, whatever. So processes, the visual process which is continually presenting appearances to us that are changing. There's a tactile process, continually presenting images, experiences that change. But what we're looking for by most reliable is what kind of bodily process is going to most helpfully guide, bless, stabilize, calm, bring to fruition certain mental or psychological processes such as mindfulness, such as calm, such as joyfulness, such as clarity. Hmm? What kind of process, bodily process can do that? And it's not going to be visual. It's going to be breathing, hmm? that process. The Buddha called it a body amongst the bodies. There's all kinds of bodies. Visual bodies, tactile bodies, perceptual bodies, <laughs> sick bodies, dying bodies, young bodies, old bodies. They say the best kind of body you want to, for, for your, it's going to give you the best results, going to come up with the most useful process to track is the breath body, breathing body. Because that one is very closely connected to the mental process. Several ways. Mm. For a start, if we orient around uh, breathing in, breathing out as our fundamental location, you could say, this is the body, this thing. It does this, it does that. And your first thing is, well, how does that get more, mostly assured, cleared, established? Well, at the start, you're probably going to sit up straight because everything else is going to compress it. You know? And you'll understand what straight means, not as what it looks like, what it feels like. And what does that mean? Generally, it means your chest is open, your shoulders are relaxed. There's plenty of room in your belly. Yeah? So if your chest is hunched forward, it's going to push down on the diaphragm. There's not going to be much room in your belly. So you want to have this plenty of space for that breathing to move, to express itself, because this is your fundamental body. Mm. 
much better to cultivate this than to, you know, do things to your hair. So it's going to help, as we cultivate, it's going to help certain muscles to change, tissues to change, um, stiffnesses to ease up. You're going to begin to notice whether you're tight across your chest or you're hunched forward, you know, or your diaphragm's got tension in it. And just to keep widening and softening and cultivating the breathing body. And how is it? What is that? Yeah, you may have various kind of hardly conscious ideas. You see, you know, you go to class, what is it, biology class, you see this kind of Somebody draws up on the whiteboard or wherever it is, you know, it's a human body with a nose and it's got a little tube goes down to the lungs. There it is. There she is, breathing in, breathing out. Hop down, hop down, in and out, in and out. That's the breathing. <laughs> and, uh, no, that, that isn't how it happens. Uh, you know, even think of, you know, breathing going up and down. No, it's more like ballooning effects, aren't they? Really, as you feel them, that swelling, ballooning. Uh, it's kind of, it's almost spherical. Just imagining your abdomen being like a, a balloon, and you've got another balloon on top of it, which is your chest, two cavities, yeah? Right, the abdominal cavity and the thoracic cavity. And two balloons sitting on top of each other with the diaphragm being like the membrane between the two and how as one swells the other one gets the message oh it's time to swell <laughs> that signal comes up from the abdomen and through the diaphragm and then oh yeah chest opens and this is all quite involuntary we don't have to do it that's perhaps why we don't really not like conscious of it because it happens by itself Check it out, how does it feel? Mm. Is there anything associated with that? How, if that can happen, we feel a bit freer. Mm. Just to be able to take and allow yourself to expand. Mm. And you begin to intuit, perhaps through that, the things that prevent that defensiveness, you know, if you've got to tightly guard ourselves because of external impingement, we get those kind of bodies. We get defense bodies. We get armor bodies. Mm. We get bodies that shut down so that, that our thinking can take over more accurately. So when you get in your office chair or wherever it is, and you get your screen on, Body, you know, body, body, shut the body down so you can really get into that stuff on the screen, right? In there, with a little mousey in your hand, 
gee, well, there you are, you know. <laughs> You're in a screen body. <laughs> but then do you know how to to get out of it so you're not walking around like that. <laughs> There's a lot of screens around, aren't there? Mm. You, know, you can carry around around so you never believe to be parted from your screen. Because <laughs> 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 <it, laughs> they're kind of easy, you know, glowing, easy. One thumb. And they don't talk back. It's probably, you know, of course, I've, I have these things, useful, exciting, addictive. Uh, yeah. yeah. Quite a sign of the times. We're so disembodied. You know, you talk to somebody on your Facebook thing, with this guy living in Helsinki or Mombasa or somewhere. <laughs> it's there. You know, where are you? <laughs> where you? We don't even really fill our own our own body in the present moment. Hmm. Well, I think it's quite a quite a, a, a topic actually, disembodiment, and the. Uh, because the body then can't act as a as a wise guide. Once you're disembodied and you're just in your mind, there's no limit where that goes. For good, but unfortunately for bad. You know, there's no limit anymore. The body acts as a kind of limit because saying, hey, hey, I'm getting stressed, I'm getting too much adrenaline pumping, I'm getting too much hormone, I'm, this, isn't, this isn't safe, you know, let's get, get back. <laughs> and the body acts as a, the felt body acts as a wise governor when you're getting too riled up. The passions are flying, the anger's rising up, or the fear, or the, whatever, something clicks in, hey, and you've got a chance to just take a breath. Take a breath. Hmm? And you, you've got way and way of coming back again. Coming back again. Very basic stuff, isn't it? This isn't kind of refined. But, uh, really trying to um, make use of the body process as a wise container, wise vehicle. So that's why we don't drink drugs. You're just messing up the uh, the sensitivities that are our, perhaps our one of the most helpful given guides. It's given. You don't have to be enlightened to have that. <laughs> it's a given. And the, you know, why perhaps, you know, and mindfulness of breathing is such a main theme in Buddha's meditation instruction 
is because it does keep embodied with the right kind of body. And from that embodied experience, the mind starts to pick up the signs of calm, the signs of freedom from constriction, freedom from fear, anxiety, pressure, passions. And in those and the freedom from that feels enjoyable. You can in, you have a body that can enjoy. So much so, the Buddha is saying, when it really starts, this process really starts welling up in the most fortunate pattern, when your input is most skillful and the, you've limited the unskillful, there's not one part of your body that's not pervaded, suffused, drenched with pleasure. Mm. I'm thinking about righteousness in this, or getting it right, it's just really getting into the deep quality of skillful pleasure. And this was the big breakthrough, first big breakthrough perhaps, most easy to understand breakthrough, even though it's kind of mind-boggling. What was so revolutionary about the Buddha was he taught pleasure. Like, uh, you know, Indian spirituality, I guess, as in Western spirituality, often attunes to notions of the sublime, God, divine, cosmic world, world order, you know, mental stuff. And then body is kind of pushed that down, carnal, you know, pushed that down. And it's a like massive dissociation, really. Uh, and the Buddha is saying, no, there's a kind of pleasure, there's nothing wrong with this. This is a kind of pleasure that's conducive to wholeness, to non-proliferation, to integration, to skillful actions in this world, and to the happiness of release. You don't need the spiritual projections of the other world, or gods, or deities, or rights and wrongs. You don't need that all that stuff. So much of that stuff is steeped in, you know, basic inability to meet this incarnate experience. You know? so you're only trying to get out of it. Into, you don't, we don't want death, we don't want pain. I mean, but the Buddha is saying, if you really come into this, you're going to pass through death and pain. But this is going a bit far for day one, isn't it? (laughs) 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 So, uh, but just to recognize, you know, what is a skillful kind of bodily pleasure? And it's not going to be about tasting and touching and smelling or seeing, it's going to be about this intimate, you know, unfolding into a process that's going to have profound 
psychological uh, qualities to it and is associated with skillful psychological, spiritual, if you like, qualities such as clear intention, ethical intention, attention that's wise, intentions that are void of ill will, grudge, frustration, compulsion, void of that. So we're not injecting those toxins into the process. And like every other process, it's not just the get it, now I've got it. No, this takes time for that, you know, it's like a pro- the, the currents take time to unfold. And, you know, it's not just got it, dang. But you're going to feel something if you look in the right direction. Surely you're going to experience physical discomfort, painful memories, fantasies, craving, zoning out, you know. That's that's is all the dross being coming to the surface, the the hard skin peeling off and all the uncertainties within that. Right in the centre you're coming back to the quality of intention. What you're putting in, dripping in with every and embodying that with your breathing. So the quality of steadying, calming, lifting, is not just the thought, begins to be embodied in your breathing. When your breathing lifts, takes its time, fills, fills the entire body, fills the chest. It's not trying to, you know, get somewhere, it's just taking its time to fill and then it begins to recede. It takes its time to... It's like a cleansing process. Mm. So there's this uh, uh, facet to it. (coughs) Also, it does begin to... We begin to intuit and recognize this thing we call for want of a better word, mind, (laughs) put that in quote marks, mind, what's that? Well, it's a process. It's actually many processes, just like the body is many processes, you know, body, you've got metabolism, you've got all kinds of stuff, Mm, different processes. And perhaps we tend to associate mind maybe with intellectual processes. That's part of it. You might be a bit tired of that and shift to, oh, we mean heart. We might then tune perhaps to more emotive processes, tenderness, uh, mm, joyfulness. Yeah, that's true. That's all part of it. And as you begin to, all those pieces are elements within this great domain that the Buddha tapped and presented with chitta. I've never really found a word, an adequate word for it. Sometimes I call it awareness, as it's the most neutral, all-encompassing. But then sometimes I think, yeah, you'd, perhaps it's best just to talk about chitta. Because <laughs> yeah. there's all sorts of uh, processes within chitta that don't really fit into mind 
the idea of mind as intuitive, as imaginative, and there's an embodied quality to it. There's an embodied quality to it. You might sense that perhaps as nervous energy. If you do Tai Chi or Qigong, you'll notice it as that, that strange but beautiful sense of some form of intelligence that's non-cognitive, sensitive, very much associated with uh, body tone, tonality, um, coherence, balance, mm. non-rational, non you can't think it, but you can sense it. You can sense something like balance. You can sense something like flow. You can sense something like coherence. Yeah. And you can sense them having it through the body as the body moves. Mm. And you can sense it in your breathing. And you can sense the effect in the immaterial sphere. You feel strangely, without a lot of thinking, no great emotional feeling, you feel strangely peaceful and rich and supported. There's an embodied quality and it affects both the body and the mind. Mm. And, you know, there are various skills that just to deal with that very directly, and they, you know, the, mm, mentioned the chi and pranayama and uh, various forms of healing, mm, which people have, you know, done for years, and uh, some people don't accept it. It's not rational. It's not hard-edged science, and yet it has an experience and. It's an experience, and this is very much one process in all the processes of mind. And we need to get in touch with that. Mm. Because it doesn't have so much self written all over it. It's mutual, it's empathic, it's naturally empathic. You might even say one of the easiest ways to get into that is the sense of empathy to others as to myself, which you can experience with another human, you can experience with a dog, a cat, mouse. You can switch it on to, when you switch it on and you learn how to switch it on, you don't want to harm another living creature. You just do not want to do that. Yeah. It feels just like cutting your own fingers off. And it's not really a choice, it's just a natural intelligence, empathic intelligence. You switch it on. You know. How do you switch it on? You recollect we're all bound to death, we're all bound to, we don't want pain, we all seek our welfare. And just put persons, the forms, the visual appearances, the nationalities, the higher, lower, all that stuff to one side. And uh, you don't want to, you know, 
you do that and you even look at a tree and you think <laughs> you know that too is part of what we're in part of our process and it can get very wide very big but it's not about doing anything about it especially it's just uh, coming out of the very kind of narrow and constricted boundaries that we can imagine ourselves into just some tight little package which doesn't even feel good you know and no matter how much you wedge into that package it still doesn't feel good because <laughs> it's, it's just the, it's the wrong kind of body it's the wrong process mm. And when you try to be with your breathing, be mindful of breathing from your tight package place, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a tight package breathing. <laughs> doesn't take a genius to work that out, does it, really? And yet, we kind of, we keep operating from the tight package place is, is the place that we often, you know, find ourselves resorting to. Because that's... Uh, that's the one who deals with the inland revenue. This is the one who, <laughs> you know, you get conditioned into being in that little tight little box with your numbers and figures and all that. And you, you know, this is a chance to come out of that. And the breathing will help us to do that. But my suggestion is, first of all, you know, really try to feel the fullness of the breathing body before the tight package gets hold of it with its aims and objectives and opinions and imperatives and need to control it and get it right and not get it right and develop it and become something better because of it. This is tight package strategy. And if it worked, wonderful but it, it just takes you to the next tight package because <laughs> that's its nature that's the input and that's the law the law is the input is going to use what you're going to get and yet we often don't even realize what, what we're putting in because it becomes so habituated to operate from that position. Even if it's a, you know, a clumsy tight package, desperately not feeling it's tight enough. You know? And you're trying to just get better at it. It's still the wrong result, wrong input. Um, you know, but the your breathing body will begin to inform, suggest how your package can change, how your process can change, because it's innately, it's a given. It's innately healthy. 
it's innately healthy mm. and the dis-ease with it comes from the wrong approach, the wrong view with the various um, psychologies and there are notable psychologies you could always reel them off becoming something getting getting somewhere becoming something getting rid of something having something mm. that's not that's not the right process yeah there'll be results so in a way it yeah we will have something we will become something but that happens by itself it's inevitable. You don't want to start with that because you, the becoming will be generated from the tight package place, from the anxiety place, from the need place. It won't be a fruition. It won't be an unfolding. It will be the same stamp placed on another thing. The same message placed on another thing. And we come just you know the simplicity is coming back to to putting a lot aside, putting aside time, putting aside you know what I think I am, really putting aside quite a lot to just be how does how are we going to get to how's breathing feel? what really happens with that sensations, energies. There's a physicality to it. There's a feeling sense with it. Mm. There's an energy, a rhythm to it. You get the wholeness of that. The physicality, the lifting, the moving, the swelling, the effects in your ribs, in your breasts, in your rib cage, in your throat, in your face, in your mm, full of it. The energy of it, the shifting into vitality and brightness and calming, cooling, releasing, sensations, the feelings go along with the fullness of it. And none of those specifically on their own is the is it. It's the how the whole process interrelates and becomes smooth and flowing. Just like, you know, you're doing a Tai Chi, it's not about moving your hand, it's moving everything in the right way, together. It's the togetherness that generates the benefit. So as you want to enter into your breathing process, uh, recognize the endings of the breath, or when you feel the breathing is shifting from out to in. How does it shift from out to in? How does it shift from in to out? There's a turn point, there's a hinging point. And maybe there's even a pause there where the breathing kind of is a kind of hovering. It turns from in, it hovers, it turns to out, finishes, it comes in again. Yeah. And those may be really helpful places to to incline towards. 
where you can sense what it is that does the breathing. How come this happens when I'm asleep, when I'm thinking about something else, it's still happening. How come? Because there's something there, there's an energy there that's got intelligence to it that's saying that's enough of that. And don't keep breathing in, you'll explode. Turn it round. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> and that's going to change. If you're running, it's going to change. If you're sleeping, it's going to change. But something is there sensing that. That's this involuntary intelligence. And as you get a sense of that, your mind is going to change. Because you, you realize that you, what you think your mind is, is not that intelligent, really. It just speaks a lot. <laughs> the things we could never figure that we do beautifully like walking breathing moving your hands you try and figure it out and yet yeah. So let's spend some time this morning and maybe you want to to shake your legs around or get more comfy, have a little bit of time for just taking up a sitting position and really looking at sitting as how does, what kind of sitting helps to get into the breathing body. So sitting is a process, it's not one thing, it's a process of how the bones and the muscles and the sinews, the weight of the body and so on, how that's all balanced out. Standing, sitting, walking, how does all that? So it's not just one part is taking all the weight, some parts are half asleep, some parts are constricted, some parts are really you know, putting a lot of energy in, but how does the thing get harmonious? And yeah, this is a skill and a process of learning, finding your way with it. But for breathing, you're probably going to always come back to when it's got to be plenty of room, hmm. plenty of space in your chest, in your belly, in your throat. Mm. 
and adjusting the body so that the, as much of the weight of the body can be carried by the planet. This is what spines are for. Your spine balancing so that your weight of your body is coming down your spine into the into the pelvis, into the into the floor. This means your spine's probably going to be extended, not cramped. Your head's going to be in line with your spine. Your shoulders going to drop. Yeah. Your hands going to come back towards your front of your body or rest on your thighs so they're not pulling your body forward. You know, these are things you just work around right down to subtler points like um, what's happening in your face, what's happening in your throat. A lot of our, the subtler musculature of the body is to do with gesture and expression. And so it's very much associated with um, psychology, the furrowed brow, the clamped jaw. It's all going to affect your breathing, affect your mind state, it's going to affect your breathing. So all these are pleasing we pay attention to in order to fully harmonize with the breathing body. Everything else takes second place. 